And I want us to look at verse 7 and 8. And we'll look in that in the King James Version. Thank you guys. Do a good job. Aren't you grateful for our musicians? Do a good job. Sow a lot of seed. Amen. And uh, 1 Timothy, I believe it's chapter 4. And uh, let's look at verse 7 and 8. It says, But refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. Notice the word exercise. Verse 8. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and the life which is to come. The life that now is, is the life that we is in right now. Now let's look at that same set of scriptures, if we could, from the message translation. Message is just a little bit more modern, if you will. Says it just a little bit differently. So we'll look at verse 7 and 8 of 1 Timothy in the message. We've talked quite a bit, and I think this is week number 8 or week number 9, about how that we are in training. We are in training spiritually. You know, people go into training physically. Oftentimes this time of year the gyms are filled. People go into educational institutions and they educate themselves. They receive training to become doctors, training to become lawyers, and so on. Well, I believe this. The most important part of our nature is the part that's created in the image and likeness of God. That is our spirit man. And so our spirit man can be trained just like your physical body can be trained. Your spiritual nature, that part of you, created in the image and likeness of God, can be trained and developed just like your mind and your intellect. So he says, now, stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. By the way, we're not religious around here. We don't really, per se, believe in religion. We believe in a relationship. See, religion, I believe, is God, is man's search for God, but Christianity is man's relationship and fellowship with God. Okay? Now notice this, exercise how often? Okay, keep in mind spiritually. Exercise daily in God, no spiritual flabbiness, please. And then look at verse 8. Workouts in the gym are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both for today and forever. Now I'm looking at a group of people that are sharp, intelligent, good looking, Blessings, Amen? Amen. Our goal in life is to be stable, to be blessed, to be fruitful, so that our lives can bring glory to God. So, it is important then that we develop our inner man, that we develop our spirit man. Now, what I want to talk to you about tonight is I want to talk about two things, two spiritual spirit disciplines that we can... uh, Adopt in our lives. One is solitude and the other one is fellowship. Both of these are absolutely necessary to create balance and maturity in our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was imprisoned by the Germans, was actually martyred by the Germans. He said this. Bonhoeffer said, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. And let him who is not in community, beware of being alone. What is Bonhoeffer saying? Bonhoeffer is basically saying that we need both. 
God created us that way. We need community. We need fellowship with one another, fellowship with Him. But we also need solitude, that time where we can be alone with God. Why is it important for us to develop this spiritual discipline of solitude? Because solitude is a place where it is filled with God and filled with His presence. You see, in solitude, in that time where we just get apart with the Lord, in solitude, that is a place where you can find God. That is a place where you can find answers. How many of you are busy people? So then, in the busyness of life, in the busyness of family and ministry... There are times when we really need, and I mean, we really need to hear from God. And I tell you something else, we need to feel God. There's nothing wrong with feeling the presence of God. And I believe this, that we can find it by setting apart a time where we are in a place with God and God alone. You will find it by slowing down. I like what one person defines solitude as. He said that solitude is fasting from people. (laughs) Now, there's a balance to that, you understand. But how many of you have just ever felt like you just needed to fast from people for a while? (laughs) I think all of us have probably felt that way. But here's what solitude does. Solitude recalibrates you. It resets you. It connects you with God. Amen? It replenishes your soul. And then it also decompresses you. To decompress means to uh, release, to be released from pressure or compression. To undergo a release or a freedom from pressure. It means to relax. So in solitude, we can decompress. There is pressure in the world. There are the cares of this life. There is so much going on in the economy. So much that may be going on in your family. I mean, if you didn't know better, you could literally, you know, get fearful and live a life with your knees knocking. But we know better. Because we understand that God didn't give us a spirit of fear but a power and a love and of a sound mind. And that as we give our cares to Him, we learn to trust in Him and rest in Him in a place of solitude and fellowship. We just have the understanding that down on the inside, we know that everything's going to be all right. Things may not look real good out here. We've all been there. But oh, in the secret place of the Most High, in the presence of Jehovah, there is peace, there is safety, there is joy, and there is rest. And so, we who believe, we who trust, we who place our confidence in God and His Word, we who have entered into a covenant with a covenant-keeping God, we in fact do enter into a place of rest. And I like how the... The, the Greek defines the word rest. If we had time, we'd look at some scriptures, but we don't concerning rest. But the word rest there carries with it this thought, quiet ease. It also means refreshment. And so he says, come unto me, all you that are what? Heavy laden. 
and I will give you rest. Okay? That is solitude. But there's got to be a coming to Him. You see, if we will draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. But if we're going the other way, we're going the other way and we're not going His way. Say it with me, I'm a believer and I enter in to rest. So what we need to do in solitude is decompress so we don't get depressed. Okay? And so a quiet time then can be like a, a decompressing chamber. All right. So just as we spend time in relationships with one another, we must also spend time alone with God. There's no person in the universe that I'd rather spend time with next to the Lord than my wife. I love to spend time with Brenda, and I think Brenda likes to spend time with me, otherwise she wouldn't still be married to me after 35 years. We have a love affair. We are in love with one another. We actually enjoy one another's company. Amen. And that is important, and it's important that we have fellowship with one another, and we'll talk about some of those things. But just as that is a need in our lives, it is a need to get alone with God. Get alone with your Bible. Get alone into a place of solitude so that you can praise God, sense the presence of God. Now listen to this thought. It is better to have planned solitude than forced solitude. Okay? And I don't think that much needs to be said about that. Other than the fact that if you just keep pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing, sooner or later something's going to pop. Okay? So schedule some solitude. Schedule your time with God. Now here's another thought about solitude. Silence is involved in solitude. You see, solitude is not just isolation. Solitude is not just withdrawal. But solitude is getting alone with God and focusing on Him and allowing His Spirit to speak to you, allowing His Spirit to refresh you, allowing His Spirit to rejuvenate you. Now, how many of you have a place where you can go where you can have solitude with God? You know, I mean, years ago when the relatives would come oftentimes around Christmas and Thanksgiving, my place of solitude was in my automobile. I mean, I love my relatives and my relatives love me. But I mean, after a few days, you know, it's time to get alone with God. And you know something? Your relatives feel the same way about you. Okay? But, I mean, we live in a beautiful state. We live in a beautiful area. You don't have to go very far to get in touch and get connected with your Creator. I mean, you can go to the Word. It might be a prayer closet at home. It might be a, a place in your home where you can get alone with the Lord. Now, there's two types of personalities. There's extroverts. How many of you are extroverts here tonight? Okay, there's extroverts. How many of you are introverts? Okay, so it's about half and half. I, you're being a little too extroverted tonight. <laughs> Did you behave on the front row there? But basically, there's two types of personalities. There's extroverts, those who really love fellowship, all right? But they struggle with solitude. And then there's introverts, 
Okay? Those who love solitude, but they struggle with fellowship. What I'm saying to you tonight is don't cater to your personality. Why? Because your personality through the fall has been warped. And now you're a new creation created in the image and likeness of God. And I believe that there can be a balance between solitude with the Lord and fellowship with one another and fellowship with Him. Because this is a spiritual discipline. Take time to fellowship with the Lord. Are you, get, are you tracking with me tonight? Now let's look at um, how important this was to Jesus. Let's look at Mark chapter, Matthew chapter 14, verse 23. Matthew 14, verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was there alone. Everyone say alone. Mark 6, 31. Notice this with me. And he said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. Well, that's the scripture for a palm desert vacation. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And so Jesus is modeling for them the principle of coming apart. I did a message, I think it was in September, called Come Apart So You Don't Come Apart. Okay? That was the seven steps to stress-free living. Now notice in Luke chapter 4, verse 42. In Luke 4, 42, it says, Now when it was day, he departed and he went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. So if Jesus needed to go into a deserted place, into a solitary place for time to time, I believe that you and I do. In Luke 5.16, it says this, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness, and there he prayed. Notice with me, he did this often. Now, when you think of his life and you think of his ministry, we all know about the Garden of Gethsemane, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in solitude, and he was praying about that which was to come. After his baptism in Luke chapter 3, the Bible said that he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And that was for 40 days and for 40 nights. Remember? Remember that conflict and that uh, eyeball-eyeball confrontation he had with the enemy. Okay? And so we see that even before that he chose his disciples, he had a time of prayer. He had a time of solitude. I believe this. That we should not move too fast in the decision processes that we face on a regular basis. I believe that we should not be living off the top of our head, but rather we should be living out of our heart filled with the wisdom of God. Can I get a witness in this church tonight? That's why the Word of God says, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. And what will He do? He will direct your paths. In Mark 1.35, it says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, left the house, and he went into a solitary place where he did what? He prayed. No matter how busy he got, 
he spent the first portion of his day connected and hearing from heaven. Listen, friends, the busier you are, the more solitude you ought to be having. And don't tell me there's not enough time in the day because there is. If you will look at your schedule and you look at your day, you can find 10, 15 minutes to be alone with the Lord. I'm not talking about going on an extended three and four hour time of prayer during the day. I mean, that's great if God leads you. But I mean, come on, really. We live in a world where we've got things to do. We've got places to go. But oh, don't leave home without him. Don't leave home without having solitude with heaven. And you will find that your day will go so much better when you just say, Lord, give me this day, my daily bread. Give me wisdom from above. Lord, I pray and I stand in your presence today to be filled with your spirit. Amen. And so if Jesus did that, basically, that's just my point. We need to do it. You know, the Bible talks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 11, it says, study to be quiet. How many of you know that you got to make a decision to be quiet? You know what study means? you got to make an effort to be squat, quiet. He says, study to be quiet and to do your own business. How many of you know that you got your own backyard to take care of? And that's a whole nother message. We won't go there. But here's what I want you to see is study to be quiet. Look at your neighbor and says, study to be quiet. And so to do that, sometimes we need to isolate ourselves. Amen. We need to isolate ourselves. Okay. So the main thing then with solitude is get alone with God. The next one we're going to talk about is fellowship. Now, fellowship is so important. Fellowship is not just simply hanging out. Fellowship must be intentional. Fellowship must be deliberate. You know, if you're going to have fellowship with somebody, you have to be deliberate about it. Having fellowship with somebody and sitting around watching TV really isn't fellowship. Okay? The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And koinonia is simply this. Koinonia is partaking and sharing and opening your life to another person. It is a partaking of the grace of God on one another's life. Now, how many of you know that, how many of you have a Facebook account? Okay. Now, I don't have one, but I have a very close friend that does. <laughs> Okay, so I know what's going on in a lot of your lives, you know, and anyway, but now they have, they have a, on Facebook, they have something about friends, right? And someone may want to be your what? Okay. So you either confirm or ignore. Okay. So, I mean... I think Mrs. Lynette Hagen, Pastor Hagen's wife, has got the most friends I've ever seen in my life. How many? About 5,000 friends. So, you know, that's great. And that's wonderful. But really, you really can't have koinonia with a million people. 
The goal is not to have a million friends. You can be friendly, but maturity will move you from quantity to quality. And I believe that we can have broad fellowship with one another, don't you? I mean, we can have broad fellowship with one another, but the way that God sets this up and the way that God designs this, He will connect you with some supernatural relationships and supernatural friendships, and that may just be a handful. Now, that doesn't mean you're unfriendly to people, but the quality of your fellowship is not going to be the same as Joe Blow on Facebook as it is with your best friend. So get over it. So we should have some people in our lives that we can have quality fellowship with. Because here's what fellowship does. Fellowship adds value to the person you're fellowshipping with. Yesterday, I spoke to one of my very, very good friends, a close friend of mine, Brother Keith Hershey. You know him. He comes and, and ministers all the time. And he gave testimony to what God is doing in Beirut, Lebanon. I'm telling you, God is just opening up some doors in Beirut, Lebanon for that ministry over there. Just giving them such great favor with the minister of finance over there. I mean, I'm going to let him tell the story when he comes because it's a miracle in process. I mean, literally... The, has, the guy that is the head of the Ministry of Finance in Beirut, Lebanon, is Hezbollah. And if you have heard of Hezbollah, Hezbollah is a terrorist organization. But God has given them such incredible favor with the Minister of Finance that they're looking at completely removing any taxes from their ministry over there. That's an awesome thing. That's an awesome thing. And so, you know, I'm talking to Brother Hershey and I'm just getting blessed. I'm just getting so excited and he'll tell the story and set it up for you. I mean, you'll want to dance when you hear the whole thing. But then, you know, Brother Hershey, you know, he drives a 99 Infinity. It's got 170,000 miles on it. And he says it's been breaking down a lot. But he made a commitment in his heart. He said, I'm not going to get a new car. A new car to Brother Hershey is a four-year-old car. He says, I'm not going to get a new car until this building over in Beirut is paid off in full. That's a man of God right there. He says, but it's been breaking down a lot. And he says, let me give you a testimony. See, we're having fellowship over the phone. See, you can have people that you may not talk to for months or years, but when you talk to them, it's immediate. I mean, they may live over in the Philippines. They may live over in, in Timbuktu. But God has set you up with a supernatural relationship. And supernatural relationships are God-ordained. And they will add value to your life. Oh, it's so wonderful. But I'll give this testimony. Because we're going to rejoice with Brother Hershey. So he's down in Shreveport, Louisiana, peaking, uh, speaking for Sirius Sam. I call him Sirius Sam. Sam Carr. He's preached at this church before. And Heidi did a little women's conference for him, a little women's meeting. And Keith did the Saturday night service and the two Sunday morning services. 
And uh, so they're out having dinner, lunch on Sunday afternoon. And Becky, Sam's wife, put a little gift in front of Heidi and says, I want to give you this. And it was a little piece of jewelry. And then Sam says, I got a gift for you too, Brother Keith. And so he pulled out this thing, looked like a bag of golf balls or a box of golf balls. And Brother Hershey says, well, thank you, Sam, for the golf balls. And I can't promise I'll keep them long. I'll probably lose them after four or five holes. (laughs) And so he said, open the present. Open the present. So he keeps opening the present. And there's the keys to a BMW. Yeah. You know, a faithful man shall abound with blessings. Well, you know, it's, it, it, it was a 2008, you know, BMW, but it's still a new BMW. To God be the glory. So are you happy for Brother Hershey? A faithful man will abound with blessings. And, and so, you know, we're just, we're having fellowship. And, and I just started feeling the presence of God. I just started feeling the anointing and, and so happy for him. And just rejoicing with him. And we, and we talked about some other things and other things that God is doing. And oh, the goodness of God. We had koinonia in just about 10 minutes on the phone. And that was it. Listen, God will direct the traffic in your life. He will bring people into your life. He will supernaturally set you up with the right kind of people. Amen? And He will bring into your life people where you just have a connection. I like to call it a God thing. It's a supernatural setup. It's divine friendships. It's Holy Ghost moving on behalf of you. And so look for that. Expect that. Koinonia. Everyone say koinonia. Having fellowship with one another. Amen. And so it is so important. How many of you know that we need one another? No man is an island. You and I are called into community. The Bible says it is not good for man to be alone. Now, I know I can preach this for a while if you just let me. So I put Adam asleep, took a rib from his side. When he woke up, Adam saw Eve and he said, whoa, man. Bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. But outside of marriage, in the marriage relationship, outside of marriage, it's not good for us to be alone. We were made for fellowship. We were made for supernatural relationships. Now listen to this. Every one of you tonight in this place are gifted. Every one of you have talents. Some of you have abilities that I don't have. I may or may not have abilities that you don't have. But let me tell you this tonight. Those gifts, those talents, those abilities are not just for you. Did you hear me? These things that God has placed on the inside of you, they are to be shared with others. They are to be dispensed through your life for others. If you can sing, that's a gift. Share it. Now, unfortunately, some people think they have that gift. And because they don't have fellowship, they don't know they don't have this gift. 
How many of you know when you have real fellowship with one another, your friends can say, no, uh -uh, mm -mm. not your gift, bro. I wish somebody would get the revelation for some of these people that try out for American Idol. You know, I, I look in front of the TV and I, I like to watch it. I, you know, I, I like to see the tryouts. And I'm thinking, really? And I'm thinking, now, you know, when John and James were around a little bit more, I said, that's got to... Now, they're, they're putting us on. No, they're not putting you on. But I think they've really got something. Don't, you know, if you're gifted to be happy, be happy. If you've got a contagious smile, smile. Share it. Don't walk around like this. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Then open up your compact and smile at yourself. <laughs> Share it. Listen, friends, even in the rapture and in the last resurrection, we're going to rise together. We're going to be together as part of the family of God. Here's another thought about fellowship. Fellowship cannot just be programmatic. It's got to be organic. And what I mean by that, it needs to occur naturally. And I want to say this, and I want to say it clear in the right spirit. Don't expect the church to meet all your needs for fellowship. I'm going to say that again. Don't expect the church to meet all your needs for fellowship. You see, you bear some of the responsibility. You know, if you want a friend, look at Proverbs chapter 18. Look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. If you really want a friend... There's something you can do. All right? Proverbs 18, 24 says, A man that has friends must do what? If you want friends, guess what? You got to be friendly. And people say, well, pastor, make a program for me. Make a program for me. Make a program for me. So I can meet somebody. So I can talk to somebody. Well, haven't you talked to somebody? Haven't you tried to fellowship? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. What happened? Nothing. Well, then maybe you need a mint or something. You know, just a thought. You know, maybe there's something about your approach. I'm just, come on, I'm just, can't I just have a little fun tonight? Fellowship must be intentional. And it requires an investment on our part. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Look at Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Say solitude and fellowship. Don't get so full of solitude you fall out. That's coming. All right. Acts 2.42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. This is the early church. And what? Fellowship. And in breaking of bread and in prayers. Okay, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Romans 12, verse 10. <clears throat> 
Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Then look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Just some scriptures tonight. It's Bible study night, right? Hebrews 10, 25. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, pastor, you know, I can, I can get just as much being at home as I can being at church. I don't think so. Because I think there's something really cool that happens when we come together. Don't you? It's a corporate anointing. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see what? So we know that Jesus is coming soon, right? So then what we see here is Christianity cannot be practiced in isolation. Okay? If, if I practice my Christianity in isolation, then my Christianity becomes irrelevant. Okay? The New Testament scriptures teach mostly, over and over again, how we as believers should relate to one another. How we should treat one another. Listen to just some of these tonight. The New Testament tells us to live in harmony. It tells us to love one another. It tells us to accept one another. It also tells us to instruct one another. The Bible also tells us to greet one another. Now, there's a, there's a balance to that. You know, when you're greeting one another, you don't have to open up your whole life. You know, I went to the library on Tuesday. And I met Jack. I knew him in junior high and seen him for 40 years. Now he's on my Facebook and I'm one of his friends. Well, I don't care. I just want to greet you. You know, I just want to say, hi, how are you doing? You know, you need prayer, we'll pray. So don't take it to the extremes. Serve one another, the Bible says. It says, bear with one another. It says, make allowances for one another. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another. Admonish one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on. Offer hospitality to one another. And edify one another. And that's just part of the list. You see it over and over again in the Word of God. And I want to say it clearly again. You can't be on the same level with everybody in this area of fellowship. There's going to be varying levels. But in closing, I want to just say this to you. That fellowship is about three things. It's about three things. If you're taking notes, write this down. This is really important. And you know, we could spend quite a bit of time in, in talking about our fellowship with God, how that we're called to fellowship with God, and we could break down several scriptures, but that's not the purpose of tonight. I'm simply putting this out in front of you tonight to get you to see that these are disciplines that you have to enter into as a way of life. This is something that we need to be consistent about. Amen? All right, three things about fellowship. Number one, through fellowship, we can exhort one another. We can encourage someone towards something. I'd like to think that when people come to Heart of the Bay, they're encouraged. I would like to think that when people leave on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, that they got something. 
that they can sink their teeth into something, that they, they don't leave all bummed out and burdened down because they've been scolded by some sort of an uptight preacher teacher. No, that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to encourage one another. And part of the purpose of the church within the church members is them to encourage one another. Encourage one another towards something. If you know a friend has got some goals and has got some marks and has some high hopes and high expectations, why don't you just encourage them in it? Put your hand on their back. Tell them you know that they're going to be able to make it by God's grace. That they're going to be able to do great things for the glory of God. You see, when we exhort one another, we also encourage one another to stay on track. It's so easy to get off track. It's so easy to get off an exercise regiment. It's so easy to get off a diet. All it takes is a six-pack of Krispy Kremes. I know I'm preaching good right now. Or a double cheese at Five Guys. No. Encourage one another to stay on track. Amen. See, the Bible says it's true that iron sharpens iron. And I believe that the men of God in this church should be encouraging one another. Provoking one another unto good works. That's why Tony is such a great example in this church. As he leads the men of God in prayer times. It's awesome. Iron sharpens iron. How many of you know we don't need any patty cake friends? Well, bless your heart. It's all right. You know? No. I think... How many of you have ever seen The Biggest Loser before? (laughs) Biggest Loser? You ever heard of a girl by the name of Jillian? Now, you don't want to be a Jillian spiritually. But you do want to... Encourage your friends to stay on track, to keep pressing toward the mark. Anybody ever just felt like quitting before? Anybody here ever not felt like quitting? I'm so glad and so grateful for the people that God has placed in my life to encourage me. I'm so glad for Pastor Kenneth Wayne Hagen. I can't call him Ken Jr. anymore. But I'm so glad for people, praise God, that have encouraged me. So we're to exhort one another. We're to encourage one another. And the word encourage means to cheer each other on. But it also means to cheer each other up. So cheer each other on and cheer each other up. Fellowship also has to do with being around someone that you can enjoy. Be the kind of friend that everyone likes to be around. There's no bigger bummer than being around a person that is so full of himself that's all they ever think about. That's all they ever talk about. It's me, myself, and I. It gets into verbal abuse. But when you get into real fellowship with one another, you should be adding value to that person. 
Those people, I'm going to say something strong right now, those people who do not add value to your life really do not belong in your life. Let me tell you something else. We need to hang around some people that are smarter than us. If we think we know it all, we're severely mistaken. A.R. Bernard, the great pastor in Brooklyn, New York, of the Christian Cultural Center, said this. He said, if you're the smartest one in your group, it's time to get a new group. (laughs) Fellowship, then, is to be God-honoring. None of us has God at all. But we all have parts. You have a part. I have a part. We all have a part. Amen? I just get the privilege of being up here and preaching the Word and teaching the Word. But you know what? Every one of you are a part of a preaching machine in this church. From the ushers to the people that worked all day yesterday to fix the lights. From the people who clean the building to the people who serve in the nursery. We're all part of one great, big, gigantic preaching gospel machine that's reaching the world for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. We are part. We are all part of something much greater than ourselves. And so, not only that, but we should have some people in our lives that are not believers. What do you mean? So that we can be salt and light to them. Amen. We are called to and we need spiritual disciplines Solitude and fellowship. I'm encouraging you tonight to be deliberate about this. Ask God to help you with these two areas of your life. Stay in training and you'll see some awesome results of being a doer of God's word in this area. Amen? Well, did you get anything tonight? Well, that's good. That's what we come for on Wednesday nights. Amen? To get something good, right? Amen. This dear lady, stand up, had a great fellowship. Tell us quickly what happened. Your mother was in the hospital? Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. I, and, I I, and I came, um, I was really worried because she was in Texas, and, and I didn't know what else to do, so I, I was just on my way to church, and, and I, was just, I just talked to God, and I just tell him what my problem was. And when you started preaching right away, you know how you, you call the... The person to go up front pray, for, for prayer pray. for he was gonna go to the hospital. Yeah. So, for me it was really surprising because right at that moment my mom, my sister had texted me that they had put her in the emergency and they were gonna check her heart and all that. Yeah. So, when, by the time I left, they my sister called me and they told told me that they let her go and then not, they didn't find anything and with she her. She was good. Yeah. She was good and she's in she's in Texas. Yeah. Okay, so that's awesome. That's an answer to prayer. That's something we should be excited about. Amen? And you know what? That was simply Pastor Brenda saying, look, if somebody has a need here today, let's pray for one another. Pray for what? One another. That's corporate faith. That's corporate anointing. Amen. That's so powerful. So many great things are happening. So many powerful testimonies. Let me pray with you tonight. Father, my prayer is for every one of us. As we pray these Ephesians prayers, Ephesians 1, 17 through 23, 
in Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 for ourselves. Lord God, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Lord, that this year we would really, really know and understand the hope to which you've called us unto. Lord, give us understanding and greater revelation of the power of your resurrection that's at work in us. Not only in our hearts, but Lord, let your quickening power, the power of the Holy Spirit, quicken and even heal bodies. Lord, may you lift up souls that may be depressed tonight. May there become by the Holy Spirit a, just a, a release, a decompression from all the cares of this life in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that as the people of God leave this place tonight and as they go to their homes and go to their places where they rest, Lord, let this message just saturate their being. May they enter into a rest and to a place of solitude and into a place of refreshing. And Lord, we praise you. And Lord, we also ask you to bring the right people into our lives. Lord, those that are in our lives that have just been drains and those that are in our lives that have just, uh, they're, they're just not godly relationships. Father, we, we pray that you would show us the exit sign from that. And Lord, bring in the right people, Lord God. So that there may be rich koinonia. May there be a sharing and a fellowship. And just an increase of the love of God in our lives and in our church. Pray this with me, Lord Jesus. I know I have a part. And I bring my part. And I bring my supply. And I say I'm yours, Lord. Help me to share it. Help me to be a blessing. Lead me in the right paths, I pray. In the name of Jesus.